Jason, I'm just going to pre preach my message now. He already gave you the title and everything. I'm like, dude, stealing my thunder. All right. Well, uh, glad to see you all here this morning. Uh, Beth said in first service, she said, oh, it was so nice out this morning. It, it feels like spring. <laughs> I said, yeah, you know you're in Omaha, Nebraska, when 30 degrees feels like spring to you. Like, no, that's not spring to me. I come from a place when 80 plus is just great and heat and sun. So anyway, uh, glad that you're here with us. You know, Pastor Jason, he actually shared a, a great challenging message with us last week. And I want to remind us of some of the things that he shared. So if you were not here last week, I know it was like frigid, so cold, and, and we had ice all over the place. But if you were not here last week, please go online and listen to his message. The title of the message was Heart for the House. Okay? He, he actually challenged us on the zeal that Jesus had for God's house. He talked about how Jesus came into the temple and the outer court and he flipped tables and he created a way, a space. He created room for those that are far from God, those that do not know God, to be able to enter in and worship the true living God. Amen? So he challenged us on the fact that we need to remove barriers as well. Then when we come in on a Sunday morning, see, this is the good news family right here. And so when you come in on Sunday mornings, it's not about, I understand that we come in here, we meet with God, we meet with one another. It's amazing. And actually, um, I didn't do this in the last service, but a little plug that, you know, we, we know that we can do everything online. But I received a, a, I got a, a story from a young lady last week that she said, you know, I have been watching uh, church online for the last few months, last year, and then something happened in her life when she was like, i got to come into church. I actually have to go in. And God reminded her of the importance of actually being in a community of believers. She said the first time she came, that first time she came back in December of this past year, she came in, and, and in the service she was at, she met with this other young lady, and they embraced here at the altar they were crying together that this other gal was just sobbing and weeping on her shoulders. And she said, this is why I'm supposed to be in here. So, amen, it's, 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 a great, it's a great picture. And so Pastor Jason was challenges us in that way. And he said one of the things that he, that he challenged us was on not stepping over the need, Right. So many times we step over the need to do what we want to do. And he reminded us also that God, sometimes God's preferences are not our preference. You know what I'm talking about? It's that moment when you say, um, God, uh, yeah, like, I don't want to do this right here. He says, no, 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 this is what you're going to do. Uh, no, God, I want to do this. And he said, no, you're going to do this. Kind of like your kids. When you say, hey, do your homework. No, but I want to watch TV. No, you're going to do your homework. Right? Because we understand that the TV just brings the satisfaction for that moment, but the homework is what's going to propel them to actually be what they need to be, who they need to be in the future. So God may be using you in this moment to actually do what he's asking you to do to propel you for exactly that purpose that he has for your life. Amen? That's not even part of the message. But then Pastor Jason shared two 
things that kind of came out of his mouth very quickly, and he did it towards the beginning of his message, and I thought it was so profound. The first one was, he says, you can't just exist. He said, you can't just exist. And to me, that was so loud and clear because that's exactly what God has had me for the last three weeks as we've been fasting and praying. And God's been saying, Raphael, you can't just be occupying space. And God has said this as well. You can't just exist. You have to live. You have to live. You understand that there's a difference, right? Say yes. So back in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make men in our likeness and our image, right? Say yes. yes. And so that means that in Genesis chapter 1, you received existence. You exist, right? But then something amazing happened in Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, there's a baby that came about. You guys remember him? His name is Jesus. And when that baby came into the scene, John chapter 10 verse 10 says that the enemy has come to, to kill, but I have come to what? Life and life more what? So you see why he came? So there was existence, but then there is life. And see, when Jesus is in you, when, Je when you are following Christ and you are a child of God, then you are meant to live. Okay, so that's why it meant so much to me, that comment. There's something else that he said. Pastor Jason last week reminded us that the Bible tells us as God's desire to bring transformation through us. Bring transformation through us. And that's exactly where I want us to camp today. I want to let you know that it is in you and through you. And that is exactly the title of this message. In you and through you. As many of you have been walking with God for a little while, perhaps, and you have history with God, you understand that when you first say, yes, Lord, right, something happens in the inside of you. And he begins to do something in you. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, this is something that, that I thought it was pretty cool based on, on something that we're going to read and how we're going to be camping in Philippians chapter 2 today. Mark Twain says this, few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance, the annoyance of, the good, of a good example. I'm going to say that again. Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Let me give you an example. <laughs> no, and then, and then the theologian Warren Worsby says this. He writes, perhaps the thing most annoying about a good example is its inability to accomplish the same achievements in our own lives. Admiration for a great person can inspire us, but it cannot enable us. Unless the person can enter into our own lives, share his skills, we cannot attain his or her heights of accomplishment. It takes more than an example on the outside. It takes power on the inside. So an example is amazing. And then Paul is talking to the Philippians in, Paul, in uh, Philippians chapter 2. And Paul give, gives them the example of all examples. He brings up Jesus. As the example, let's read what Paul said in uh, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Some translation says, you must have the same mind of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, can you say instead? Yeah. 
He gave up his divine privileges. How many of you in here feel privileged? Wow. How many of you in here? Okay, I did not think I was going to have to do this in this service. I honestly did not. But see, I'm like an iPad, okay? Like an iPhone. So in order for you to interact with the device, you have to touch it. You have to respond. <laughs> and you guys always are responding, so I didn't think I was going to have to say that. But okay, so how many of you in here feel like you have privileges? Let me see your hands. Okay, all of us in here should be lifting their hands, our hands, right? So, but get this. Jesus had divine privileges. He had a lot more privileges than we do. And he gave them up. He gave them all up. It says that he took the humble position of a slave. Verse 8. And was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal death on the cross. So this is the example that Paul brings forth. So Paul says, guess what, you Philippians? This is your example. Now, that could be very discouraging because Jesus was perfect. Jesus was fully man and fully God. Jesus did not sin. He was without sin. And that's the reason why he, be, he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. There had to be a perfect sacrifice, right? Yes. So Paul says this. And many of us could say, well, that's a great example. Have the mind of Jesus. Be like Jesus and sacrifice your life in this way, right? But I'm not perfect. But see, God is never asking for perfection. He has not asked you to be perfect. But there is something that he has called us to. And we find it in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. Do you understand that you and I, as children of the most high God, are called to reflect Jesus? We are called to reflect the image of Jesus to a dying world. So it's not perfection. It's reflection. And then from that moment when Paul gives the Philippians a picture of the example that we ought to follow, then he goes on and moves on to, uh, to verse 12 and beginning to talk to them as friends. And he says this, beginning in verse 12. Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I, was, when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show yourselves to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you and giving you the, the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of God to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Verse 17. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, 
you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Now, as I said before, every single one of us understands if you have been walking with God, if you have following, been following Jesus for a little while, if you have history with God, that God does something in the inside of us. But I love how Paul puts it here. So verse 13, he says, for God is working in you. That is so, so significant. Because it is saying God is working in you. You know what that means in Hebrew and in Greek? The same thing it means in English and in Spanish. God is working in you. And he says it's working, not he has worked. So you perhaps gave your life to Jesus a year ago, five years, 10 years, 20, 50. But guess what? He's not done working with you. It's not like the day you say, yes, God, I'll follow you. Like he's done working with you. It says he is working in you, working like right now working. Like it doesn't matter if you're angry working. It doesn't matter if you're annoyed working. It doesn't matter if you're frustrated working. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're less than working. He is working in you. Do you understand that? Do you understand that he's not done with you? He's not done with you. I need you to hear that. He's not done with you. He is working and always working. Well, whenever we sing that song, and I forget the lyrics, but we say that he is working. I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, because I'm not done. I'm not finished. Amen. Come on, Pastor Jason. That is not the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> You're not done. You're not finished. You're not done. And since he had me say this to the first service, I'm going to say it to you too. You're not a turkey. It's not on my notes, but he wanted me to say that, so I'm saying it. You're not a turkey. That means that it's not a timer that goes ding and you're done. On this side of heaven, he's always going to be working in you because it is revealing the image of Christ to a dying world. Do you understand that? So since he is so much more and there's always more to him and more of him to be revealed and to know, then he's always working in you. So I love that. I love the fact that Paul reminds us of that. But then he, he goes and... and, and and takes it a step further. And he says this statement. He says, he is working in you so that you, will, that you will be able to do. You have the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire and the power to do what pleases him. Guess what? Pentecostals. We love the power. Right? Like most of you in here. We'll be able to quote Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive when who comes upon you. See, I told you you would. We love the power. It's like, yes, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we love that. And it's great. But see, there is something else that Paul brings up here that I absolutely, positively love. And he says he will give you first the desire. <laughs> the desire to do what pleases him. You know why that's important? 
Because some of you do not understand, some of us do not understand that we have that desire. Because how we frame our lives and how we look at our lives and how we, we walk and how we reflect Jesus is according to our actions. So sometimes our actions do not reflect this desire to do what pleases God. Are you following? So you find yourself messing up. You said something, did something that does not reflect the fact that you desire to please God. But you do desire to please God. Has anybody ever, 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 ever in your life, have you ever messed up in any kind of way? Let me see your hand. Because I had a whole bunch of holy people in first service. <laughs> Don't tell them I'm talking about them. But I'm talking about them. So, yeah, that's a whole bunch of sinners that were saved by grace in this service. But listen. So what happens when you know that you did something, said something, thought of something that you know is not pleasing to God? You feel a certain way, right? You begin to be like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Wow. You know what that is? That's God working in you. That is God working in you to give you the desire to do what pleases him. You have that desire. It is in you. And that's why you feel that way. You know, it reminds me of our kids. And I was going to talk about Eli, our oldest, 16-year-old. But he's sitting here, so I'm going to talk about the youngest. Um, yeah, because Pastor Jason and Carissa began this thing. Like, if you talk about the kids during this message, you got to pay them or whatever. I'm like, whatever. I'm not doing that. <laughs> We're from New York, baby. We don't pay for that. Um, so... Uh, so, yeah, my, my little guy, this happened this week, and he, uh, and he said some words that we do not appreciate, honestly. And so, so daddy goes and talks to him, and I said, okay, dude, what you say? You don't want to tell me what you said? Mm -mm. It's not nice, was it? No. What did you say? I don't know. Better yet, why don't you want to tell me? Oh, you, you're not going to like it? Exactly. I know I'm not going to like it. How do you feel? Say, I feel bad. Say, why do you feel bad? Because I know that I did something. And he didn't put it this eloquently. <laughs> I know I did something. That hurt you and mom and that you guys don't like. I said, and who else doesn't like that? Jesus. What is it called when we offend Jesus? Sin. <laughs> what do we do when we sin? We pray. I mean, but he was so broken. Tears start coming out of his eyes. I have not spanked him. I'm like, whoa, revelation. <laughs> See, because we've been trying to show our kids in the best way possible, in the best of our abilities, and we are broken people. We are people that are not perfect, that it is about that relationship. So it is a lot more, it hurts them a lot more to fail mom and dad because guess what, parents? You will be the image of Jesus with skin on it. Some of you needed to hear that. 
It is not about the punishment as much as that relationship. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. It is that desire to please him, to do what pleases him that is important. So he is working in you. He is working in you. So the power component is important. Because first he gives us the desire to do what pleases him, but he doesn't stop there. He also gives us the power necessary to be able to do so. Can you say amen? Amen. He gives us the power to be able to do so. And when you said that, when you, when you quoted Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that's one part. And as Pastor Jason said, I started doing some digging and like things the Holy Spirit would do, 50 things that I came up with. And it probably is a lot more than that. But I was like, wow, and there's this scripture and this scripture. And I started going that rabbit trail, which is not even part of the message. But it's like, hey, guess what? Holy Spirit, God himself inside of you convicts you, brings conviction. He also enables us. He also empowers you. He also leads you. He also speaks to you and reveals things that you are not to know. You understand what I'm saying? He actually reveals Jesus to us and through us. So that is the power that is in you. See, I don't think it's a power problem. I think it's an awareness problem. Like we don't realize the magnitude of the power that resides inside of us of children of the Most High God. And then Paul reminds us of something very important. Verse 12 says, work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. (laughs) So I was talking to Pastor Jason uh, this week or last week or whatever, and and he he told me a story. We were talking about Tommy Barnett. Some of you may know who he is. He's a pastor, a preacher. And he talked to me about a story where Tommy was preaching to this great crowd of ministers and leaders. There's uh, hundreds of people, and God is doing some amazing things. And so this, this preacher comes at the end and says, Pastor, Pastor, I want to talk to you. And he's like, okay. He says, man, I want to do what you do. I want to be able to do What you do, man, that's so amazing. That's so awesome. What do I need to do to be able to do what you do? And then Tommy says, hey, come here. It's okay. He moves over a couple steps. No, 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 come here closer. He says, closer. Yeah, yeah, closer, right here. Yeah, closer. Right here, like really close. It's like, okay. So I'm going to tell you right now. Work! You guys get it? What did I say? Work. (laughs) I was listening to Erwin McManus this week, and in one of his messages, he said this. There are some things that you cannot pray into existence, that you can only act into reality. You say, well, I disagree with you. Because God can do anything if we pray. Absolutely, he can do anything. But if you say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And then you got four quarter pounders with a whole stack of fries and a big jug of soda. And you said, Jesus, help me lose weight. He's going to look at you and say, are you crazy? (laughs) He's going to say, I'm not a genie. 
You show some self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. You get what I'm saying? So I understand that prayer moves earth. It moves heaven. Don't get me wrong. But so many times we have relegated prayer to a wishful thinking. So many times we have thought that just me sitting here and doing nothing, it's enough. Paul told the church in Philippi, work. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. See, when God has been working in you, there are certain things that are going to show up. It's inevitable. God is working in you, and there's some things that are going to show up. And we know about love. We know about peace. We know about joy, right? We know about patience. We know about goodness, about faithfulness, about gentleness, about self-control, right? I missed one there somewhere. But you get the idea. And you say, well, that, those are the fruits of the Spirit. Yes, I understand. They are fruits of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God is in you, then those are the fruits that could come out of your life. But I don't know about you, but I have to work really hard at some of those. Like patience, for example. Hello? And Pastor Jason already, you know, he stole my thunder earlier. He already told you guys that I'm a bit impatient. So he's talking about waiting for what God wants to do here in this place and through this place. I mean, I'm there. So what does that mean? That means that I need to allow Holy Spirit to work in me when I get really impatient and I want to run somebody over. Holy Spirit says, shh, take, take a deep breath. Slow down. Right? Remember what I shared with you guys a long time ago that I, I cannot say anything about anyone that God has not said about that person first. So, um, and I think that was Bill Johnson that said something like that. But the point is that maybe you don't need that much work to meaning to be paying attention and knowing that you need to work on patience. But maybe it's something else for your life. Maybe it is kindness. Maybe you're not really known to be a kind person. Maybe that's the reason why you don't have too many friends. Let's be honest. And then when Holy Spirit says, hey, don't say that. That's not kind to say. And you go and say it anyway. Because <laughs> you got a different kind of double-edged sword coming out of your mouth. Okay. Some of you get it. See Pastor Jason after class. All right. So we may be, you may be thinking, well, um, but Paul said in Romans chapter 4 that, you know, the people are counted righteous not by their work but by faith in God. And it is true. You can only come to God by having faith, right? There's only one way. And you have to know that Jesus is who he says he is and declare with your mouth, right? And God will save you. That's what the Bible says. That is clear. But that's not where it stops. See, a lot of us have done that. Like we come and we say, okay, Jesus is my Savior. Now we sit and wait. And you're getting closer to the Lord. And you're getting closer like that minister. Hey, let me tell you. Work. There's work to be done. 
And we're going to talk a little bit more as we move forward. We're going to be hitting the book of James, and, uh, and we're going to discuss faith versus works mentality. So we're, we're going to be hitting on that. But today, uh, for the sake of our, of our talk, of our argument here, um, there are things that God wants to do through us. And as he works through us, then we can get to work. Because he's been working inside of us. Um, Paul says in, in verse 12, the way that I love this translation, it says, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And some of you remember that translation. But I love the fact of work out your salvation because a workout is a process, right? And a workout prepares you to a preferred outcome, right? It's like you're doing the work. Because you want to get here. And I love work out your own salvation because it's like as I'm in this process of becoming more like Jesus, then others will be able to see Jesus through me. So you are in a process. God is not done with you yet. So I love that. All right. Within that process, then Paul says something in verse 14. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. So if you were not convicted before, hello, you should be convicted now. <laughs> How many complainers do I have in the house? Oh, you guys are lifting your hands. That's awesome. How many argumentative people I have in the house since you guys are being so honest today? <laughs> I can lift my hands on both of those. So God has been working about the com on the complaining side for a while. The argumentative thing, I just can't get away from very well. I mean, I argue about playing tic-tac-toe <laughs> with my kids. I mean, yeah, so if we're going to be honest, let's just be honest. And so now I realize, uh-oh, like all my kids are argumentative. So I'm like, hmm, Victoria, did you do this? <laughs> and I don't think it was her. But see, do everything without complaining and arguing. And why is this important? Because complaining actually does something. Because arguing for no purpose actually does something inside of us. Check this out. So Franklin uh, Thielman, the NIV application commentary, says this. He says that uh, the term that we translate uh, complaining is a gonmosman. So the word gonmosman occurs rarely in the New Testament. And every time it appears is in a letter that Paul wrote. That's interesting. Then he says that, but that it appears frequently in narratives from the Greek Bible and that describes Israel uh, desert wanderings where the Israelites complained. You guys remember the story in Exodus chapter 16? The Israelites complained to Moses and Moses clearly said, guess what? You're complaining not against me. You're complaining against God, right? Why is this important? Because Paul is using a word that, the same, that signifies the same thing that the Israelites were doing. This is why it's important. The, Philipp, the, the Philippians were not Jews. They were, they were Gentiles. They were outsiders. They were not part of God's people. But with this statement, Paul is letting them, letting them know, hey, look at your ancestors and what they did. He's giving them another example, right? And I like this example because it wasn't perfect. So 
they, he's saying, look back at what happened to them. Everything they had to suffer and endure and the judgment they received because of their complaining. And he's furthermore saying, you are part of God's people. So he's bringing them back to what was happening with the Israelites when they were complaining and now bringing them forward and saying, do everything without complaining or arguing. Very, very important. I love that. All right, so let's, let's go down. Let's bring this plane down to a landing. So why is this so important? What's the big why? Oh, my why people in the house. Why? Why are we talking about all this? So God is working in you. God is, God is actually wants you to, to work. He's working in you, and he wants you to do the work to actually show what he has done in you. Why all of this? I'm glad that you're asking. Verse 15, it says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining, as, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This is the point. The point is that we need to live lives that will be shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do you understand that? And then Jesus said this in Matthew. Hold on. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, he says that we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says that, we're, that we don't take a lamp and we put it under a table, but that we put it on top that everyone may see the light. You understand that? You understand that you and I are the light. Do you understand that we emanate the light of God through us? Do you understand that light cannot be hidden? Do you understand that no matter the amount of darkness, when you step into a place, there's no longer darkness. Do you understand that God wants to have you and your life on display for all to see? You know why? Because this is what it says. At the end, of, in chapter uh, 5 of Matthew, verse 16, it says, So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When people see you and they see your life, God is saying, look what I did with this fool. Look what I did. Ain't I great? God is saying, look what I did with his life. Now, you think I could do something with yours? If God has done what he has done in my life, surely he can do something with yours. So he wants your life on display because it brings him glory. Because it lets people know that, hey, God is still in a transforming business. Church, there is purpose in everything God does. And these words that we're reading, my prayer is that the, word, the words that you read in the Bible, that you grab a hold of those and believe what God has said. What he has had said about himself, about you. Yes, there's work to do. And I know some people get very, very uncomfortable. And I'm trying, as I was praying, I'm thinking, God, why is that? When we talk about work in church, when we talk about working out your salvation, I understand when you're young in the faith, when you just get your life to Jesus, you need to sit, you need to learn, you need God to do all the stuff that he needs to do in you. But man, there's a time where you can no longer be sitting on the sidelines. There comes a time when you no longer can be comfortable. There's a time when you actually need to work. And I have a whole bunch of more notes, but Pastor Jason already said I got seven and a half pages and we're not going to get through them. 
But see, you, you can't just exist. You have to live. And God has called you to this house. God has called you to be here with this family, with this group of believers. And together, we're going to be about it. Because we will make an impact. We will be those shining bright amongst a world of crooked and perverse people. Why? So that when they see the light, they may give God glory. Can you please stand? So, I want to show you a quick example of how we're going to be about it. I get news. It's very, very practical. It's going to be easy because it's only going to cost you six bucks. It's going to be hard because it's going to cost you to step out of your comfort zone. So, good news, church. We are part of a, a collaboration of churches, over 30 churches in the Omaha metro area that wants to see our city transformed with the gospel. And we say that this, this, everyone is within reach. Our city is within reach. And it's a within reach movement. And so, there is a book that has been written of stories from all of these churches. And we have a very own in this book on chapter 3. And I want you to, to see their story real quick, briefly. This is Jen and Tim Bowes, and this is our story. When we first began our journey in foster care, we felt like God had given us the verse in James um, that said to take care of the most vulnerable in our society. And um, it was as if those words were bolded into our hearts. And so, we wanted to take action steps on that and really live it out. And so we began by being trained in foster care and eventually um, had placements in our home. And that's the beginning of our story. I think what we experienced was just so much more. We had always felt like it was God's invitation for us to be a part of His plan to uh, be in the lives of the most vulnerable. I believe now looking back, what has happened is God really gave us a glimpse of his heart and uh, showed us some brokenness and showed us some hurting and uh, not only invited us to be a part of it, but uh, drew us into um, a world in which we had never really had an experience. And it was something that we, I think, uh, realized on our own that, you know, we're, we're broken ourselves. and. So even though we're broken, God can still use us as a part of his uh, perfect plan to accomplish the things that he wants to do, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. And we wanted to let you know that our story is in this book within reach that's out right now. Our lives have changed. If you want to read about 32 other stories of lives with hope and transformation, you can get it in the lobby today. Amen. Amen. So you may be thinking, why, Raphael, are you having us pick up a book? You know why? Because these books are not for you. They're from somebody that's far from God. 
because the stories in here are transformation stories of people in our community, in our churches, that God has touched their lives. And I give you an example. For example, the couple in crisis, restoration is within reach. The drug drug addict, joy is within reach. The lawyer, (laughs) if you know any lawyers, says new identity is within reach. The baseball parents, transformation is within reach. And you're already thinking, my wife and I, of couples that we will give this to. So you read through the table of contents. You say, oh, man, that's from my boss. That's from my neighbor. And then they read about the stories and perhaps spark a conversation. Because we're going to be about it, good news. We have to. Because God is working in us and through us. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask the altar workers to come after that, to come and stay right here. If you need prayer in any way and you realize that God has sparked something in you, maybe perhaps it's just the fact that, hey, I'm going to be about my father's house. I'm going to have a heart for the house. I'm going to allow God to work in me and through me. Whatever it is, just come forward. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you, God, for your children. I thank you, Father, that you're not done with any one of us. Thank you that you are working. Thank you, God, that we're in the process of transformation, God, and that we are more and more like you, that we're becoming more and more like Christ. I pray, God, that you will help us. God, help us to reflect the image of Christ, to shine brightly for you, God. Lord, I pray that we will not merely exist, but that we will live in life, live a life that brings you honor in every way, God. Help us to give of ourselves, to pour out our lives, as Paul said, as an offering, God. Father, and I thank you for these, so many that have been giving so much to further the kingdom, God. I pray that you will help us do what you have called us to do as a family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, good news. Love you. If our altar workers would come forth and remember, fill out those cards and love you, love you, love you. Can't wait to see you Wednesday.